growing number of students are graduating while retaining their Christian faith. But surveys reveal that there are also many who reject the faith that they grew up with. How to graduate with your faith intact, today on Creation Magazine Live. The Bible's history is supported by scientific observations, and we'll tell you about it on today's podcast. Welcome to the show. My name is Matt Bondi. And I'm Richard Fangrad. Now, today's subject, uh, well, this whole show, I think will be one of the most practical and helpful shows for students, either going to post-secondary education or already in it. Yes. Uh, and for parents as well, to give practical advice on how to successfully navigate the complex issues of origins in schools and universities. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Today's show is, uh, is how to graduate with your faith intact. And we're going to summarize 10 tips, 10 points, 10 do's and don'ts from this little booklet here, The Creation Survival Guide. <laughs> okay, but before we get into that, uh, some of you might be thinking, is it really that bad? <laughs> well, are we making a mountain out of a molehill yeah, here? Right, okay. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, we're not. <laughs> over and over, surveys show high percentages of students who grew up in the church but walk away from their faith after just the first year of university. Yeah, scary. I mean, yeah, some of these are, uh, surveys are as high as 90%. Yes, yeah. And uh, beyond the survey results, CMI has been ministering for over 40 years now, having visited thousands of churches around the world. And all of our speakers globally have heard testimonies from heartbroken parents about uh, their children who've abandoned their faith after they left home. Uh, you know, we, we, we tried our best. What do we do wrong? And, and, and my grown child gets angry when I try to discuss God. And so, so the issues of large numbers of young people leaving the church is very real, sadly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And most of the falling away is firstly a result of ignorance about what will be taught in the secular education yeah, system. Yeah. Uh, students are going to be taught, you know, humanism, uh, evolution, and a yep. whole lot of other anti-Christian things. Yeah, and secondly, if students haven't been equipped with a Christian worldview, and, and it's not just about knowing what the Christian view of things is, if they haven't been grounded in understanding why the Christian worldview is correct and the only one that makes sense of the world and aren't able to defend it, then they're, they're being set up for failure mm -hmm. when they go to, the, to higher education. Yeah, that's right. So the danger to young people is real. Uh, many yes. abandon their childhood faith, um, and that's, you know, really bad news. But there is really, really good news. Yes. Things are changing. Yep. Uh, more and more students are actually graduating with their faith intact. Yes. Not only that, but their faith is strengthened while being bombarded by secular <laughs> yeah, humanism. Amazing. It is possible to grow as a Christian while in university. Uh, these tips that we'll mention today can help get students equipped to succeed. Yeah, here's an example of one. This one uh, was just from a few weeks ago, and we're getting more testimonies like this all the time. Uh, but this one was from Megan in Texas. Uh, she writes, I am a high school senior graduating with the class of 2020. I have been reading Creation Magazine publications for years, and I wanted to let you know how much your writings have impacted my life and my faith. I grew up in the church, but for years I was unable to reconcile what I was taught in school and what I read in the Bible. I remember being shocked when my father told me at eight years old that teachers would tell me that people came from monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> but I blindly accepted that the world was billions of years old. It wasn't until I was about 12 when I heard a speaker at my church uh, give a lecture on creation science that I began to question what I was learning in school. Ah, so speaker came to her church, all right. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to mention specific resources that helped her and even led her to pursue science. Uh, she says, I am now preparing to leave for college where I will study biomedical engineering. Wow, 
I am forever thankful for your organization showing me that Christians are not irrationally hostile to the basic principles of science and reasoning as society would lead us to believe. (laughs) My faith in God has been strengthened, and I know that I have a firm foundation to defend my beliefs in college. Thank you for your strong proclamation of the gospel in an increasingly secular society. And it is my prayer, she says, that many more teens will be impacted by your message. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Yeah, and that's our hope too. Uh, And it's it's not just an empty hope, it's happening. Uh, CMI speakers and resources have a dramatic impact on youth growing up in the church. Right. Uh, This testimony and and many others demonstrate that youth have been and continue to be inoculated against millions of years in evolution through this ministry. You see, CMI equips parents and families for maximum impact on youth. Amen. Yeah. Now, another concern, something to be prepared for, is discrimination against Christians. Right. Now, students who do graduate with their faith intact often have accounts of open discrimination and ridicule that they and other Christian students had to endure, especially if they professed belief in biblical creation. <laughs> yeah, isn't it interesting that many countries have laws against religious discrimination? Yes. But often that doesn't seem to apply to Christianity. <laughs> right, yeah, that's true. And, and that shouldn't surprise us. Jesus said... If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So it shouldn't be surprising. Yeah, there's also... uh uh, testimony about this towards the, the back of uh, the Creation Survival Guide. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, Carla, and she writes in and says, uh, I started my ed- higher education in a Bachelor of Science program before pursuing a specific major. During my first semester, I was taking core education classes, such as chemistry, biology, physics, and a philosophy class. It was my very first day of university that I was exposed not merely to evolution teaching, but to the targeting of Christians and specifically creationists. In that first biology class lecture, my professor stated, evolution is a fact and is the basis for this class. And if you believe in creation, you will fail this class. Wow. (laughs) At this declaration, I initially thought, he's attacking a certain group. Surely that's not acceptable. Yeah, it's, well, no, it's not. (laughs) And, And her experience is not uncommon. We've heard many similar testimonies over the years. So this is something for students to be aware of and be ready for. And she goes on to describe her reaction to this, and that leads into the first of our 10 do's and don'ts here. Uh, She says, Upon second thought, I remember thinking that this was likely a ploy to draw out and identify Christians and creationists. In this lecture class of 500-plus students, he outlined that tests would be multiple choice with a few questions requiring paragraph answers. I quickly realized that it would be best not to play this professor's game, she says, and I would do just fine in this class without needing to paint a target on my back. (laughs) After the shock of Christians being explicitly singled out, I understood that this was not the time or place to speak out. There will be instances to speak up and take a bold stance on the Bible and creation. This is where wisdom, humility, and understanding take precedence. Uh Aha, that's smart, right? Yeah. So the first of our list of 10 is use discernment about whether to reveal your views on creation in class. Yes. Caution and discernment are needed here. Uh, Think about what your goals are as a student. To be labeled as the class creationist could mean 
discrimination and put your grades or you know even your degree in jeopardy. Right, yeah, it's not fair, but it happens. Right. A professor in Texas had this statement on his website. If you set up an appointment to discuss the writing of a letter of recommendation, I will ask you, how do you think the human species originated? And if you cannot truthfully and forthrightly affirm a scientific answer to this question, and by scientific here he means evolutionary, then you should not seek my recommendation for admittance to further education in the biomedical sciences. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Discrimination against creationists is widespread in academia. And so it just may be best to keep your views on origins to yourself until after you get your degree. Yeah, number two. Do be respectful of your teacher or professor. Your main job as a student is to learn from your teacher. And yes, the classroom is supposed to be a battleground of ideas, and and you're expected to learn from your teachers, not the other way around. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but please don't call out your teachers or or publicly embarrass them. Uh, Taking combative or rebellious attitude, you know, that's not going to reflect on you well as a Christian. Right. Uh, Again, use discernment. Even though being taught something you know is wrong, it might irritate you, don't go looking for ways to inject your views on evolution and creation into places where they're irrelevant. Right, yeah. For example, if your teacher asks you to stick to scientific issues, don't get into theological points, right? right? Now, if you're asked for your personal views, that may be an opportunity to share yeah. them at that point. That's right. Okay, number three, and this is related to number two, don't refuse to learn about evolution. You know, yeah. don't rant, uh, this isn't true, why are we learning this? Uh, I, I don't buy into evolution. <laughs> if, you're first, if you refuse to learn the, the course material, you know, your, your teacher is probably justified in failing you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we actually encourage exactly the opposite. Right. Christians should learn evolution. Evolution should be accurately taught in Christian schools so that it can be accurately refuted. It, it's amazing how ill-informed many evolutionists are about their own belief system. On the other hand, Our own staff members at CMI are very well informed about evolution, and this is a tremendous asset when engaging the opposition. Yeah. So on tests, uh, when asked to give evolutionary answers that you don't believe, uh, instead of writing, uh, the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, write, the current consensus assigns an age to the Earth of 4.5 billion years. There you go. You see, that demonstrates that you've learned the content, but you're not stating it as though you believe it. Right. Helpful stuff. Okay, number four do understand that assumptions and biases drive evolutionary beliefs much more than evidence. Mm -hmm. This is the single biggest issue, I mean, not only for students, but for anyone trying to make sense of the creation-evolution issue. Here it is. Facts don't speak for themselves. They they need to be interpreted, and they're interpreted based on one's presuppositions. You know, when it comes to origins, presuppositions or worldviews Play a huge role. Huge role. I mean, yeah. all people, including scientists and teachers, interpret evidence through the worldview that they believe is true. Uh, for origins, there are two competing worldviews derived from two different histories, uh, either biblical history or millions of years history. Right. The evolutionary millions of years worldview is based on materialism. So if the evidence leads to the, you know, the conclusion that there is an intelligent designer, well, you're not allowed to follow that line of ev- evidence where it leads. You know? Right, yeah, this is a huge issue that we yeah. don't have time to cover today. The, the, the booklet goes into many more details, uh, but the common belief is that creationists are interpreting everything, everything through a bias, while evolutionists are, are you know, dispassionately, objectively <laughs> letting the facts speak for themselves. And that's just not true. No. Uh, there are great articles online that clarify the issue. Uh, if you just do a search at creation.com for facts and faith, and also it's not science, 
and you'll find yeah. those. Yeah, they're uh, good. Yeah, yeah, and at the bottom of those articles, there's a, a, a list of related articles that you can read for even more details. Yes, yeah. Okay, next one. Uh, don't be intimidated by the evolutionary consensus. Recognize that arguments from authority like most scientists believe in evolution or no real scientist believes in creation aren't valid arguments. Even anti-creationist Carl Sagan said, one of the great commandments of science is mistrust arguments from authority. Authorities must prove their contentions like everybody else. Yeah, and Michael Crichton, the writer of uh, Jurassic Park, uh, he had a career in science before becoming a writer. Yes. And he distilled the problem with consensus science down to this. He said, uh, whenever you hear the consensus of scientists agree on something or other, reach for your wallet because you're being had. <laughs> Let's be clear. The work of science has nothing whatsoever to do with consensus. Consensus is the business of politics. Yeah. Science, on the contrary, requires only one investigator who happens to be right, which means that he or she has results that are verifiable by reference to the real world. In science, consensus is irrelevant. What is relevant is reproducible results. Yes. The greatest scientists in history are great precisely because they broke with consensus. Exactly. There's no such thing as consensus science. If it's consensus, it isn't science. If it's science, it isn't consensus. Period. <laughs> well, okay then. All right. Moving on. Number six. Do understand how to evaluate evidence. Dr. Robert Carter wrote a really helpful article about this. It's at creation.com slash how to think. And it features a diagram he calls overlapping predictive realms. Yeah, now the blue and red circles represent predictions made by two different worldviews. Uh, say the blue one, or zone one, represents biblical creation, and the red one, zone three, was evolution. Uh, the overlapping purple section in the middle, zone two, represents things that both worldviews predict. Right, he says, for example, both creation and evolution can handle change over time and natural selection. So neither of these can be used as proof for evolution. Both of these ideas sit comfortably in zone two. Thus, evolution cannot be defined as simply change over time. And then he says, in fact, that's about the lamest possible <laughs> definition. Any definition of evolution must also include a belief in common ancestry, which is definitely not in the area of overlap. Anything in zone two yeah, he says, is non-discriminating information or information that cannot be used to make a distinction between the two theories. Now, and, and then he says this, evolutionists have been blurring the lines between the zones for over a century. <laughs> yeah, here's the key. Nearly all of the supposed evidence for evolution you're likely to be shown in science class falls into zone two. In, in zone two, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that leads to uh, the next tip, number seven. Do learn the problems with evolution. Yes. Examples of you know, natural selection, antibiotic resistance, speciation, uh, living things adapting to changing environments, similar structures in living things. All these things, they all fit within zone two. Right, yeah. Uh, they cannot be used for proof of evolution since they also fit with the creation model. Yes, yeah. Here are some problems with evolution. Natural selection and mutations are incapable of producing the diversity of life on Earth. Mutations are driving living things to extinction. They're no help to evolution. Right. Darwin's finches and the peppered moths examples are often put up as evidence for evolution. Learn why they're not. Transitional fossils, where are they? <laughs> if evolution is true, we should be drowning in them, but there's only a handful of, of mostly debunked possibilities per motive. The origin of life from a pool of chemicals. There's massive scientific problems there with that issue. 
Yeah, and the booklet goes into some detail on each of those items. Okay, tip number eight is do learn the case for creation. Think about what would count as evidence for God's creation of life. How do we recognize when something is designed or the result of natural processes? Mm. Well, the author of Hebrews writes, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Okay. Okay? So we can look at a house and clearly deduce that it was built by intelligent builders. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Now, in the <laughs> same way, we can look at life and the whole cosmos and see the same sort of evidence for design. Right, yeah. Dr. John Sanford from Cornell University, plant geneticist and world-renowned inventor of the gene gun, identified a sure marker for design. It's the phenomena of unity arising out of integrated complexity. When we see a unified whole arising out of the complex integration of many parts, we can recognize the work of a designer or an engineer. Yeah, Dr. Sanford writes, a jet fighter is made up of thousands of component parts and countless atoms, but has unity of both function and form. This is what makes it readily recognizable as a product of design. A human being contains over, eight, over 100 trillion cells, but we are not 100 trillion cells. Mm. I, I repeat, that is not what we are. We are each truly a singular entity, right. yep. united in form and function and being. The separateness of our existence as people, apart from our molecules, is both wonderfully profound, yet childishly obvious. Only a deep spiritual sleep could blind us to this reality. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Being able to recognize design is important to learning the case for creation, uh, as is getting equipped, firstly with answers to questions that you have about the creation right. account, and also familiarizing yourself with answers to questions that are extremely common, even if you personally don't have them. Yeah, popular questions include, uh, you know, where did Cain get his wife? Yes. Or since God's uh, world was originally very good, why is there death and suffering now? If the flood of Noah produced the majority of the fossil record, where are all the human fossils? How did people live so long before the flood? Uh, who were the Nephilim uh, mentioned in uh, Genesis 6? How do we explain the different skin chains if everyone today descended from Noah's family after the flood? And there's many more. Yeah. Now, we just did a show covering those questions a few weeks ago titled Objection Overruled. So if you missed uh, the TV broadcast, it's, you can view it online at creation.com slash CML 8-09. Yeah, and that was awesome. <laughs> Number nine is do make sure that you're grounded in Scripture and understand how the gospel is tied to Genesis. This is really about understanding the importance of the creation evolution issue. And it's not just for, you know, science geeks or people who like to debate doctrine. Yeah. The Genesis account of creation is foundational to the gospel, and evolution is a direct attack on it. Every Christian should be aware of this. Yeah, God tells us in his word that we don't uh, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual yes. forces of evil. Yep. This is ultimately a spiritual battle being fought in the classroom. You know, Satan, he's called the, the father of lies, and yes. his primary weapon against us is lies. Our main weapon is truth. Yes. In Ephesians, we're told uh, to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, take up the truth. Use the truth to overcome falsehoods. Right, and we're, we're commanded to do it anyways. In 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 3 to 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Okay, and, and what are those strongholds we're to destroy? They're, they're, they're right, mentioned right next here. 
We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. In other words, we're to destroy falsehoods and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Mm. You know, so much truth rides on Genesis. Yes. We actually did a show years ago titled Genesis, the Seedbed of All Christian Doctrine. You know, all major doctrines of Christianity are directly or indirectly founded in the book of Genesis. For that reason, giving up on defending Genesis as true history is a major mistake. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, it leads progressively to the erosion of the rest of the Bible in your thinking. Yeah. Now, Jesus understood that Genesis records actual history, you know, and historical events, you know, as did the New Testament authors and the early church fathers and the reformers. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much everything, on the other hand, in the Darwinian story of origins contradicts Genesis. Right. Evolution is a falsehood that masquerades as science. I mean, it's not, but it attacks the foundations of Christianity. Wow, pretty serious stuff. Yes. You know, we did a couple of episodes, the first two episodes of season eight, uh, that summarize key things that you need to know about the importance of Genesis and its very strong connection to the gospel. Yes. And we encourage all students and parents to watch those very foundational episodes. Here's the last point, point number 10 on the list of do's and don'ts for students. Now, actually, we're going we're gonna to lump two related points together, and they are do be very careful in debates and don't use bad or discredited arguments. Yeah, yeah the reason you need to be careful with debates is because you can get in over your head very quickly. Yes, that's right. Uh, but we do encourage you to use your discretion and engage others uh, with the evidence against evolution and for creation. Yeah. You know, as we said earlier, it's amazing how ill-informed many evolutionists are about their own belief system. Yeah, a key here is to get very familiar with how to search for content at creation.com. If you're debating a seasoned evolutionist, you'll very likely encounter arguments you've not heard before. Get into the website. Right, and it's very important to remain calm when you're in a private you know, yes. online debate, yeah. but especially in a public debate. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't turn into the rage monster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, calmly present the evidence against evolution, and if the other person, you know, they won't listen, you know, just let it go. Yeah. You know, if they want to be yeah. an evolutionist, that's fine. But then ask them, what do they think about Jesus? You know, that right. discussion is infinitely more valuable than attempting to convert an evolutionist to a creationist. That's right, yeah. yeah. So there you have a list of 10 do's and don'ts right out of the Creation Survival Guide booklet. Now, we've only summarized, of course, skipping over much of the supporting information for those points that the booklet does include. Now, you can get these in bulk to hand out your, at, at your church youth group, for example. They make a difference. Yeah, they do. You know? Now, for example, uh, DS from Georgia, USA writes, I am a high school senior. During one of our leadership training retreats, our school's president and administrator gave us each a copy of the Creation Survival Guide by cool. Paul Price and Gary Bates. I love the information in the booklet so much that I want to purchase another book right away. I'm so thankful that there is an organization like Creation Ministries supplying information that helps defend biblical teachings. Yeah, the website is another great resource for students and parents, now with over 12,000 articles on a huge variety of topics that destroy falsehoods and lofty opinions raised against the truth. Use the the search box to look up those articles. Yeah, or go to creation.com slash QA. Uh, That's our question and answer page. Uh, Well, I guess it's just actually our answer page. Yeah. (laughs) But, But that page lists topics or subjects, and links to key articles for each of the subjects listed there. Yeah, it, it really is a great time to be a Christian. Yeah, amen. There's mountains of evidence that support the events in Genesis. A miraculous creation in six days around 6,000 years ago of a world that had no sin, disease, or death. Adam's sin leading to the curse on creation and the transition to the not very good world that right. we experience today. 
The global flood of Noah around 2400 BC and the dispersion of people from Babel about 100 years or so after that. Yeah, the scientifically minded Christian has ample reason to believe all those things are actual events in the origin and history of the universe. Uh, yes. You know, we yeah. can trust the Bible. We can, yeah. yeah. Now, if you're a student who graduated with your faith intact, we'd love to hear yeah. from you. Uh, you can use our, our, our feedback section there, go to the website there, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Now, we'll see you next week, and remember, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. And science supports Scripture. Today's episode was originally formatted for broadcast TV and is available online at the links in the podcast show notes. Both are produced by Creation Ministries International, publishers of Creation Magazine. For more information for the accuracy of the Bible, visit creation.com. You can also donate to the ministry at creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.